Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is the Unplayable Podcast. Sam Ferris here, and on this week's episode, it's a family affair. First, you'll hear from Australia's destructive wicketkeeper batter, Alyssa Healy, on the Australian women's team's record-breaking streak of ODI wins. Alyssa is then followed by her husband, Mitch Stark, who looks ahead to the Marsh-Sheffield Shield final, fresh from winning the Marsh One Day Cup with the New South Wales Blues. We start with Alyssa, who we spoke to on the eve of Australia's third ODI in New Zealand, having notched up their 23rd straight win and beating the world record mark set by Ricky Ponting's side way back in 2003. Australia would win that match to make it 24 ODI wins in a row and extend their incredible run, while also blooding exciting quick Darcy Brown in the match, making it 22 players picked by the selectors during the streak. It is an amazing achievement by a wonderful group of players, and Alyssa has been one of the brightest stars in the side. So here she is. Alyssa Healy, welcome back to the Unplayable Podcast. We know you're a big fan and uh, you've chided us before for not getting you on, but here you are now and you're speaking to us from New Zealand uh, as Australia uh, head into the third ODI against the White Ferns, coming off a 23-match unbeaten run, the streak that is the greatest in one-day international history. Uh, How does it feel to hold that record? Yeah, it's special. I think um, there wasn't a lot of chat about it Going into um, the first one-day game, obviously there was a bit of hoo-ha about it on social media, but um, there, no one really spoke about it within the group. But I think once it finally happened, um, everyone sort of just relaxed a little bit and, um, yeah, we enjoyed a beer in the change room after the game and sort of, I guess, recognised how special it was. And um, I remember saying after the game that a lot of the girls in our change room, in particular myself, you know, really idolised someone like Ricky Ponting growing up. So for us to to take a record that, you know, had his name all over it um, is pretty special. So, yeah, it's, it's a cool feeling. And I guess the fact that it's taken over three years to to get all those games in um, is fairly remarkable. The consistency of it, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. So it's a nice little uh, something that we can have at the end of our careers to look back on. Ricky's got... Tons of records. He doesn't need this one. Uh, as you said. <laughs> Give us one. Yeah, come yeah. on, Panta. Uh, three years. Three years this team hasn't lost a one day. Do you even remember what it feels like to lose? Yes, we do. I think the last <laughs> time that we lost a, a rather large one day international game was a fairly hurtful one. So, yeah, we know what it's like to lose. But in saying that, we don't want to ever feel like that again. So we kind of just got to... We've put ourselves in a position now that we just got to keep on winning. Otherwise, we just don't want that feeling. So, oh, look, it's a it's a fairly remarkable record. And I guess the the depth of players that we've had throughout the the three years as well. There's people that have just come in, debuted, played a couple of games, and they've all played their role brilliantly. So, um, I guess it just shows what a remarkable team, what a remarkable squad this is. But also that we're doing some some really good things within our own con- within our own country that um, you know are working really well domestically. 
yeah, you talk about the, the last loss. I'm assuming you're not talking about the one against England, but uh, the, the semi-final <laughs> loss in the 2017 World Cup. Can you remember your emotions, Alyssa, after that game, how the dressing room felt after that really shock upset loss to India? Yeah, I guess there's losing and then there's losing um, badly and we lost badly that day and it, it wasn't necessarily through us playing incredibly poorly. It was just that someone had a, a day out against us and we took that really personally that someone was able to come out and do what they did against us in Harman Preet. But, yeah, it was just a flat feeling. It was one – it was a tournament that we really wanted to win and we really wanted to compete well at it and I don't think we competed that well at it, you know, throughout the whole time. So, yeah, I remember feeling really flat, um, especially back at the hotel afterwards. We had all our family and friends there that had flown all that way to watch us hopefully play at Lords in a final. There was a big build-up about, you know, Australia-England in a final. And, yeah, I just remember the group feeling so unbelievably flat. And, um, yeah, I don't think that's a nice feeling that anyone wants to to get used to. And fortunately for us, since then, we've sort of taken our games to another level and um, been ultra consistent. So I guess with the World Cup around the corner, it's um, being able to, I guess, maintain the rage, as they say, and just keep, pushing um, pushing the letter out and hopefully just keep getting better as a side and as individuals and hopefully come this time next year in New Zealand where we're pushing for a World Cup again. You were the Black Panthers in the T20 World Cup. Now you're <laughs> trying to maintain the rage in the 50 over World Cup. It sounds really great. Um, that loss in 2017 has been reported that, you know, it uh, forced the team to look at itself, the way it played, the culture around the group. Can you remember what the biggest findings and learnings were were from that sort of review and and what the changes were? Yeah, well, I think being made to sit there and watch what happened um, was quite confronting to, to people, I think. Um, you know, we sort of went away from our plans with, with the ball and then we recognised as a batting unit that we just were playing timid cricket and that was not the way that we wanted to play play the game. We wanted to be the best team in the world and being the best team in the world isn't, scratching out 240 and, and hoping our bowlers do the job. It's going out there and making over 300 scores and putting the putting the pressure back on the opposition. So that was a real mindset, mindset shift for, for our group. And I guess it led for an opportunity for me at the top of the order, which I absolutely loved. And, um, and I really relished that opportunity to go out there and, and take on the bowling and try and get us off to some really good starts and, and build some totals. So I guess it worked positively for me but at the same time I think everybody's made a, a bit of a mindset shift and we go out there to take the game on and <clears throat> see how many runs we can get yes we take our medicine and if we need to grind out at 260 then we'll do that but we're looking to get as many runs as we possibly can and um and do it with authority as well and I, I guess like I said it's been nice for me to to get an opportunity at the top of the order but I, I feel like I've seen just the evolution of all of our batters within our lineup um They've, they've gone to another level and it's been really exciting to watch. I was going to save it for a bit later, but let's address it now. Your fall during the streak, uh, 23 <laughs> matches, you're one of four players to play all 23 games. I'm going to quiz you later about if you know the other three. Uh, but you're the leading run scorer among the group during the streak, averaging 56, striking 107. You've got three hundreds. Uh, you're third in the in the rankings now. Uh, should be first. I've only looked at some of the names Definitely number one. Uh, or, or maybe maybe Meg Lanning might have something to say about that. But uh, <laughs> what do you put your form down to? I mean, you've given that free reign at the top of the order, but uh, is there anything you changed, anything you worked on, anything you did differently to, to get those results? Um, oh, look, there's no secret in that 
I made some technical changes in my game to allow me to um, score more areas. I, I guess that was a big one for me, but I sort of did that to counteract T20 cricket a little bit. But for me, it's been more of a, a mental battle and a mental change for me over the last few seasons. I've, I've, I guess I've really felt like I've got responsibility. I felt really valued and I felt backed within our side to go out there and, and do my job. And knowing that if it doesn't come off, on a certain day that I'll turn up again the next day and try it all again. I think in the first part of my career, it didn't necessarily happen for me. It felt like um, I was up and down the order a lot, trying to find the, the best place for me to bat um, and was sort of given opportunities here, there and, and everywhere. And I didn't quite, you know, grab a hold of it. But I guess with me believing that, you know, I was, a, I was really valued at the top of the order and I had a real job to do and a real task to go out there and, and get us off to a good start. I felt like that sort of just changed the game for me. I I felt like I, I went out there to bat with purpose. So I guess that, that was a big thing. There was a bit more belief in my own ability as well. And the fact that I'd sort of matured into my cricketing career and just felt more comfortable probably, you know, off field and on the field. I think I just went out there and, and enjoyed the game of cricket and enjoyed the opportunity to be playing. And yeah, the, the longevity of my career is, is one that we laugh about quite a lot, um, you know, for someone who just sort of goes about a business, doesn't, you know, not the best trainer in the team, not the worst either, but just sort of a normal person with an Aussie cap on. It's been quite remarkable. But, um, yeah, look, I've, I've enjoyed having that responsibility at the top of the order and I, I take it seriously and um, hopefully I just go out there, have some fun. A normal person opening the batting for Australia, I don't believe it. Uh, <laughs> you've batted 23 times every game. Is there a favourite innings amongst the lot? Oh, I can't I can't really go past the the 100 in Baroda. I think that's where the, the streaks started. And um, for me to sort of break through and get 100, um, especially in Indian conditions, which for me, I, I don't necessarily love. Um, you know, I enjoy playing spin, but, you know, the slow, low conditions don't really suit my, my game style. So for me to, to finally make a hundred and, and sort of break the shackles a little bit um, definitely puts a smile on my face, but in all seriousness, they've, they've all been pretty fun. I, I genuinely enjoy walking out to bat, uh, opening up for Australia. I think it's the best time to bat with a new ball and it's the best time to get in a contest. I think all the new ball bowlers around the world are looking to run in and take your head off. And for me, I love that challenge. So um, they've all been, they've all been pretty enjoyable. You're right, the streak did start in Baroda. That's in East India, eight-wicket win over the hosts. Uh, did you have any kind of inkling that something special was brewing, that you were going to go on to win the next or win all the games the next three years? Not one bit. I just feel <laughs> like you, you've got to lose at some point, and I always say that around World Cups and tournament play, that you've got to lose at some point. You can't expect to go into big tournaments like that like thinking that you're going to win every game. I think obviously you want to, but you just can't. So for us to to have just done that over three years is, um, yeah, is fairly remarkable. And I don't think I ever thought that it was going to end, but at the same time, I didn't think that we would be going, you know, this long to have that consistency, especially um, when you think about the last 18 months of COVID, um, you know, there's some tired people around the world with just, we've been training a lot, not playing a lot. There's a lot of mental fatigue going around. So for us to still go out there and perform really well, I think is really impressive. 
Yeah. Uh, so Australia win in Barreto, win that series 3-0. Then you beat Pakistan in Malaysia, New Zealand at home, England in England, the Windies away, Sri Lanka at home, the White Ferns at the start of the summer and now the Kiwis again. So it's poor New Zealand. They must be sick of the sight of you guys. Uh, <laughs> that's another crazy stat, uh, just off topic a little bit. The Rose Bowl, Australia hasn't lost it since last century. Was it like 98 yeah. or something? And, and you've been part of the yeah. Breakers squad that won the WNCO title for uh, 17 out of 18 comps at one point. You know, it was something ridiculous. Ridiculous um, winning streak there as well. Uh, geez, the pressure's on not only you guys to keep the streak going, but you can't be the team to lose the Rose Bowl either. Well, I think that's what drives this group a little bit as well, is that I think uh, from our side, we don't want to be the team that lets the Rose Bowl go, but alternatively from the Kiwi side, they want to be the side that gets it back. So it actually mm-hmm. drives some really healthy competition. And we went through a little period of time where we didn't play one another. I think they got sick of losing and... Um, didn't want to play anymore. They were like, just give us a few years apart and let's see if we can come back and, and regroup. And um, But it only just like made us even more hungry to be that side to not let it go. So, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine that sitting on the other side of the fence, they, they'd be pretty shirty about um, us holding onto that trophy for so long. But at the moment, they're sort of in a rebuilding phase. So I've got no doubt that, you know, the Rose Bowl down the track is going to be a really fierce contest. So I'm... Um, um, I'm excited to probably watch it from the sideline, but if I'm involved in it, then how, how good will it be? Well, guess what, New Zealand? There's a trans-Tasman bubble opening, so there's going to be even more games <laughs> yeah. coming soon. Uh, yeah. those, we can get three Rose Bowls in a year, I reckon. Yeah. We can find <laughs> we'll have the Rose Bowl, the Chapel Hadley Series, trans-Tasman contests everywhere. Uh, they must oh, good. Go, get an Anzac team together and then go and take on the world. That'd be really good. Uh, that would uh, be cool. Of the, of, the, of the bunch of the 23, is there a favourite win amongst the lot or is there a memorable moment that sort of stands out for you? I don't know. That's a hard one to answer. I think um, probably one that springs to mind was that Ashes tour in England. Um, the first two one-day games were really tightly fought. They were really hard contests. I don't think we played as well as what we could have um, and the English really you know, it came at us really hard and we just held our nerve and, and got and won games of cricket. And I think those that series was a really crucial one for us, in particular having to go back there after the World Cup. And there's lots of talk about us going back there. I think they played the first game up near Leicester and I thought for sure they were going to put us at Derby, the first ODI game in the Ashes <laughs> series at Derby. When we had a loss, I thought they were going to set us up like that. But unfortunately, they didn't. But... It was just a lot of talk about that World Cup and for us to go over there and just hold our nerve and, and just play some really gutsy cricket to get wins. I think they're they're kind of the special ones, especially being an Ashes series as well. You wanna you wanna win that. So they kind of spring to mind. But I still think that where we started it in India um was still some really good cricket from us in some foreign conditions. So any win away from home, I think is is a good one. Yep. All right. Uh, by my count, 21 players have been used during the streak. Four players playing in all 23 games. I've already given one away. That's you. Can you name the other three? Yeah, it's uh, Rachel Haynes, Beth Mooney, and... Oh, wait. Who's the other one? We had a photo the other day. This is so bad. It's not Jono, is it? Uh, no, you are right. You're right so far. Jonathan plays in 20 of the games. Rach, me, Moons, and oh my god, <laughs> it's so bad. Should I put you out of your uh, misery? Yeah, go on. Ash Gardner, Ashley oh, Gardner. Ash, oh no, I'm never going to live that down. 
we're going to edit this out. Ready? You're going to edit out. And this is my answer. It's going to be, uh, it's obviously myself, Beth Mooney, Rachel Haynes, and Ash Gardner, I think is the fourth one. No chance that's coming out. Uh, <laughs> Ash is going to hate me. <laughs> uh, what's, what's, oh, no. what's really crazy about that is not only the four players played 23 games, but uh, 10 played 17 or more. And I look at those half a dozen, maybe eight or Actually, I'm looking at it now. Uh, nine of those players played 20 games, so the consistency in the team—it's uh, extremely rare in any any team sport, particularly international sport. Uh, that comes down to obviously consistency, consistency in the performance. But I reckon backing from the selectors and the coaching staff as well. Uh, what, so, what does it mean mm. to have that support from the coaches selectors? Even though I imagine that certain players amongst those 10 would have had some some times that wouldn't have been performing at their best all the time. Yeah, I think that's the best thing about this team. If it's not your day, it's someone else's and someone steps up and sort of fills the void and makes you feel a bit better about yourself. So, yeah, it's those numbers are, are quite staggering when you think about it. And I guess it's whilst it's tricky to put uh, to pick an 11 to put on the park every single series because there's 14, 15 players mm. that deserve to be in that 11, um, yeah, full credit to the selectors who have stuck with their guns and, and picked the best best side available and we've been managing to stay on the park and I think that's full credit to the group as well maybe the staff members I don't like to give them too much credit but to the group <laughs> as well for their I guess their professionalism um to be able to to maintain their bodies and stay on the park for as long as they have as well we don't necessarily play as much cricket um as what the boys do throughout the year but we're still training just as hard um waiting for the opportunity to play so for the girls to still be in good nick every time they they rock up for a series to get through is yeah, is full credit to them. So yeah, it's a, there's some incredible numbers there and um, yeah, I guess we're lucky to have been, to have been in a position to have that consistent side every time. And I guess we could take it for granted at any point and I really mix some youth in there and, and give people a go, but that's really not the MO of this side. We want to put the best team on the park when we can. And um, those girls that are getting valuable experience on these tours are, are getting their opportunities, um, you know, few and far between, which might sound harsh, but at the same time, I think it's a really cool, cool thing to learn. It's interesting that you say that because uh, this team does pick players that are in form and regardless of age or experience. And because you have blooded some players like Taylor Vilmink, uh, Annabelle Sutherland, Georgia Wareham, and they're not really project players, are they? You've picked them because they are the best players. Like Georgia Wareham is the best leg spinner in the country. You know, Tulliver Winks is one of the best fast bowls in the country. Despite being young and experienced, they get a run. How has the team incorporated, included those players, those young players into the squad at such a young age and get them to perform straight away? Yeah, well, I think that's – they're all like so – I wouldn't say confident in their ability, but they're just ready to go when they come into this into this team. It seems to be that generation of player. They're like, yeah, I'm here on tour. I'm expecting to play. And that's a really cool thing that they think that an opportunity should come at any given moment. And when they do get that opportunity, they more often than not grab it, which is, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, I think we're obviously doing some really good things within our domestic system that are, are breeding some really talented cricketers that are, that are ready to go at the international level. I mean, I look at Hannah Darlington on this trip and she had a breakout WBBL, got to captain the breakers in WNCL um, and hasn't actually played a lot of cricket, but has come into this squad and just fit in seamlessly. And I guess it means that culturally we're doing something really right, but also domestically we're doing some really good things, making sure that we're playing some really good cricket down there 
to ensure that that gap's not not such a massive one for them to come into international cricket. So, yeah, it, it's really exciting. And the fact that we are producing some really good um, young cricketers for the future is a good thing because we're still quite a young group. I think the average age is 27 mm. um, and there's only a couple of us that are dragging that out. So um, <laughs> I think the yeah, these girls could have a, a career for Australia for the next 10 to 15 years and I think that's really exciting. It's also pretty exciting that that's when their best cricket's going to come. So they're really great now. Imagine how good they're going to be with 10 years of experience under their belt. <laughs> yeah, they'll grow into it, no doubt. Sometimes it takes a few players a little bit longer than what they'd hope. But yeah. <laughs> um, but some of them just fit in and start their international careers flying like the Meg Lannings of the world. So I think it's, that's probably a nice thing about our group too is that we've had there's lots of different experiences. I mean, you look at myself and Rach who've, probably taken a little while to to mould into the cricketers that we are now, but you look at the Meg Lannings, the Elise Perrys, who just came onto international cricket and found it easy from ball one. So I think that's a, a nice perspective for, for the other girls in the squad to have that they can go, okay, well, things aren't going great for me now, but I can get better and, and really contribute, um, you know, right throughout my career. It's a really good mix of the normal people like yourself and mm-hmm. the freaks like Meg Lanning and Elise yeah. Perry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is nice. I mean, I have to sit next to them all the time and just shake my head, but they're pretty impressive to watch. I'm sure they're doing the same thing. Uh, so I'm guessing the streak, while it's awesome, uh, 23 matches in a row, should be celebrated and is uh, rightly getting all the headlines. The main goal for this group is to avenge that 2017 loss and take out the next 50 over World Cup. How much is that driving this group? Yeah, well, I don't think we've... I don't think we've spoken about it a lot. I, and it keeps coming up. Everyone wants to talk about it, but... We haven't, it's not exactly something that is really, really driving us. I think we're just going out there looking to win as many games of one day cricket as we can, because we feel like it's a, uh, it's a format that we're really comfortable with and we're really good at it. So if we just keep maintaining the way that, that we play the game and keep making ourselves better and pushing the bar even higher, then hopefully a world cup will, will take care of itself. But like we saw in the, the T20 world cup in Australia, pressure, expectation, do funny things to, to different people, different teams. So if we put too much pressure on ourselves to go out there and win a World Cup, especially away from home here in New Zealand, might be a bit of a tough ask. But if we just go out there and, and take each game individually and just try and play our best against whoever the opposition might be, then we might be able to sort of isolate it and just go out there and enjoy ourselves. So ultimately, we, we want to win a World Cup. It's the only trophy that we we don't have in the, in the cabinet at the minute. I feel like we've got all the others. So... Um, having that 50 over World Cup, which, you know, is such a great format for us, having that trophy back in the cabinet is definitely driving us. But at the same time, it's not the be all and end all. I kind of get the the image in my head that uh, every day since that 2017 loss in the World Cup, Meg Lanning has got a calendar and she's just crossing out the days for the next one. <laughs> I, I feel like she is really driven like that. I mean, can you explain yep. to us about her her leadership and how she's evolved over the, the past three years and how she is kind of gunning for that World Cup? <laughs> yeah, she might be. Maybe she's pointing <laughs> the, the ship in that direction. Maybe she is. But oh, I think it's just been great to have played alongside Meg for so long and probably played under her quite a bit as well and just see her grow as as a leader and as a cricketer as well. We, we've always seen how good she is, but she's been evolving her game ever since she came into the Australian side and made 100 on debut or whatever it was. She's still been trying to make herself better, um, whether it be you know with the bat in the field or her leadership. So that's been really exciting that someone as good as her can 
um, find little areas that she wants to improve. And I think her leadership has has really come along leaps and bounds. And in particular, tactically, I know she's she's tried to to make some changes and just be a little bit more aggressive with her captaincy and and look to take wickets and um, put the opposition on the back foot. And whilst it might not come off all the time, I think the fact that she's thinking like that is a is a really great thing for us. We've we've got a side that loves to attack, so. Um, if we can cash in on that, then you beauty. But yeah, I, I know that that World Cup is definitely driving her. It's um, it's a shame that it got postponed 12 months because we've mm-hmm. got to wait another 12 months. We could be here right now doing it all. But um, yeah, look, I'm, no doubt she's chomping at the bit to to get her hands on that trophy. It's it's one that everybody in in the final 15 or however many they they're allowed to take to the World Cup will want to be a part of. So it's um yeah, it's definitely a big one and no doubt driving her. And are you the kind of player that uh, obviously World Cup's a goal, that's 12 months away, but do you allow yourself to look two years, three years, five years ahead in the future? You know, Do you know? Uh, do you have like a five-year plan, what Alyssa Keeley's going to be like in 2026? Um, oh, look, I fly by the seat of my, <laughs> seat of my pants <laughs> a little bit. Um, oh, I think I haven't looked too far ahead. Uh, I've obviously got some, some private goals that uh, potentially might, might come into play, but in saying that, I haven't looked too far ahead. The last twelve to eighteen months has been just a bizarre one, a really, a really yeah. fatiguing um, period of time with you know hubs, bubbles, um, you know, being away from home, being at home for long periods, not doing a lot. So for me, at the minute, it's um, tick off this last Rose Bowl game. Um, hopefully, play the best I can and and switch off for for the next six to eight weeks afterwards. I think it's a great opportunity for this group to to reset, um, get ready for, for another preseason and, and get our bodies ready for what's going to potentially be a really, really big two years of cricket um, with a big home summer, you know, uh, a 50-over World Cup, a T20 World Cup, Com Games, mm. um, big Ashes series in between. So it's there's a lot of cricket to be played. So for us, I think this little six-week break is going to be a really crucial one for us to, to get our minds away from the game. But I guess for me personally, I haven't looked too far ahead. I'll just reset, try and try and get my body in the best shape it can be to, to get through that much cricket. And, and hopefully I'm doing my job for the team um, for a little bit longer and they pick me and all this fun stuff to be a part of. We've got to have the normal people on the side, Alyssa. Uh, <laughs> I, I imagine one of those personal goals, and I think you know where I'm going with this, uh, would have to be to get better on the golf course. Make sure you keep the Steely Cup in your possession and mm. keep being your husband. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've been... <laughs> Waiting, sneakily waiting for cricket to finish so I can fix a few things in my golf swing. Um, there's too much cricket in it at the minute, which isn't helping me up my slice. But, um, oh, look, yeah, it's no secret. I love my golf. I think if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see me every off day just going out there. And no matter how tired I am, I'll still swing a club and go and do something. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to a little break and working on that swing. And um, at the moment, I'm leading the Steely Cup again. So, no doubt the next six weeks will really determine where it ends up the back end of the year, no doubt. Just make sure that when you make the changes from cricket to golf, that you make them back from golf to cricket. So <laughs> the form continues. Well, I feel like cricket's not good for my golf, but golf's actually okay for my cricket. So I feel like I've got the right balance, but um, yeah, I've got to be careful. That's for sure. Well, you tee off at the top of the order. So uh, just keep doing that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh, for coming on and having another chat. Uh, all the best in the, in the third game, which has already happened by the time this podcast has come out. So who knows what's happened uh, and <laughs> enjoy your six to eight weeks off. And we'll chat to you again, probably next summer. Sounds great. Thanks, Sam. Time now for the second half of the Stark Healy household. 
We chat to Mitch in the wake of New South Wales winning their 12th men's 50-over title, beating WA by 102 runs at Bankstown Oval on Sunday. There was little time to celebrate for Mitch and the Blues, who will contest the Marsh-Sheffordshire final against Queensland at Allen Borderfield from Thursday, April 15. Each day's play starts at 9.30am local time and can be watched on Foxtel, Fox Cricket, KO Sports and live-streamed on cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. A few things to note about the final. The match is a five-day affair as it has been in the past and for the second time, the bonus point system that is used in the regular season will determine the winner if the match ends in a draw. So in a nutshell, the bonus point system works like this. Batting teams earn .01 points for every run they score beyond 200 in their first 100 overs in their first innings, while every wicket taken by the bowling team earns .1 points. So for example, if the Blues are 5 for 300 after 100 overs in their first innings, New South Wales gets one bonus point and Queensland 0.5. Then if Queensland are bowled out for 250 in the 90th over of their first innings, they get .5 points and New South Wales a further one bonus point. Mitch talks about the bonus point system being in place, what it's going to take for the Blues to go back-to-back in 2020-21 and how he's feeling after a long summer before a certain off-spinner's children bring the chat to an abrupt end. Here's Mitch. Mitch Starr, congratulations on winning the Marsh One Day Cup, but uh, job's not done yet. You've got a Marsh Shepherd Shield title to win uh, up to Brisbane soon. Uh, how are you going to keep focused after winning this, celebrating, but then trying to get that five-day title? Not sure it'll be too much celebrating just yet. Um, it's been a long year. So, uh, yeah, look, by all means, we'll, we'll acknowledge um, today. It's been a great performance by the one-day team. Undefeated this year. Um, obviously, a few guys leaving us off to the IPL, the buggers. But, um, no, look, we've got a quality squad and, and showed again today. And, um, you know, Jackie Edwards and, and Shawnee Abbott with bat and ball were, were phenomenal for us. So, um, fantastic day for New South Wales today. Um, but, yeah, focus onto the shield. That's, a, that's another big one for us and, and um, you know, it, it'd be really nice for um, for us to go two from two and, and for a few guys who were the sixes to, to make it the triple for the year, which would be pretty special. Also, you guys are defending champions but didn't play the final last year. So what's it mean to you guys to, to win the title by winning the final? Yeah, look, I still think we were, um, were probably the best team, best performed team um, last year, but obviously no final like you mentioned. So, yeah, this is what... Um, this is what it's about, it's a Shield final. Um, I think I really like the, the fact that the bonus points come into it and it means the home team can't just bat for five days if they want. So, um, Do you think we'll see more aggressive cricket because of that? It could be interesting to see what they do with the wicket up there um, based on the fact that bonus points matter. So, yeah, look, we've got two quality spinners. we obviously got the GOAT on our side. Uh, Mitch Swepson's been bowling really well for, for a number of years. So, um, you know, spinners... If the wicket's going to turn, is uh, both in play. Um, Bit of reverse. Yeah, I haven't played up in, in uh, at AB for a little while, but um, it could be one or one or two things. It could be a little bit early and, and be a few little divots there, um, which harden up, um, which obviously plays plays into the fast bowler's hands. Um, likewise, it can be pretty flat at times. So uh, it's five day cricket. We'll see how it. Um, it's April as well, so that could be could be interesting. But um, no, it's exciting. It's it's a Shield final. It's what we. We go through the, the Shield season looking forward. He's getting to finals and it's a chance to win one. What are the things you've got to do right against this Queensland side? Top of the table, they're a pretty good outfit uh, to make sure you get that win. Yeah, they are. Um, I think we're, we've got a pretty pretty experienced uh, bowling attack to, to tackle their, their batters. Um, even on a very flat Wollongong surface last week, we, we had plenty of chances. Um, it's... it's 
it's about holding those half chances um, because you, you you know you let Marnus back into the game and, and you, you don't want to give him too many chances on flat wickets. So um, yeah, look, uh, they're all gettable. It's their big games. It's when the the really good players come to the forefront and, and step up and and want to perform in those big matches. So look, we got. Nathan and, and, and Josh, and um, it's nice to, to be back with those two in a Shield final. I've not played one before, and I think the, uh, the other two big boys have, so it um, be nice to be a part of one, and hopefully we can win one. What's it mean playing for New South Wales, dear? Because, you know, nobody would have questioned you if you had a, had a break after Test Series, but you've put your hand up for every Shield game, one, one day title uh, out here at Bankstone Oval. What's it mean to play for the Blues and, and to win this Shield? Yeah, look, uh, I, I love playing for New South Wales. It's you know, you've, whether it's going through pre-season with the boys and, and seeing young guys come through, um, you know, a few guys that I've, I've sort of grown up through the ranks with. Um, I mean, Josh and I came through the under-17s New South Wales together and, and now we get to play a Shield final together. So it's, it's things like that that are really special. Um, a chance to win one, it'd be really nice to, to win one with this group of boys. But, um, yeah, look, it's it's the byproduct of no South African series and, and um, you know, opting out of the IPL. Um, meant that I was around to play some, some domestic cricket and today was really special for that and, and hopefully we can make it a really special week next week. How's your body feeling? It's been a long summer. It has been a long summer. Um, feeling old. Um, How old are you now? With 31? 31. Give me a spell. <laughs> no, I've been managing a few things for a little while so it's um, some mornings are harder than others to, to get up and going bowling but um, I think I'm, I'm in a, a good place the fact that I've managed to get through Sort of since since June last year to now, um, without having too much um, too much time off. There's been the, the odd week or so here and there, but um, managed to get through so far. Get through the season unscathed. So um, yeah, finished with a big week, and then for me, it's putting the feet up and spending some time with with uh, with Elisa and the family and getting out on the golf course. We've got the lion cubs here. They're as annoying as Nathan. Oh no, jeez. We better let you go. Well, Mitch, all the best. Thank you for having a chat and uh, good luck in Brisbane. Thanks, Sammy. Cheers, mate. That's it for this week's episode of the Unplayable Podcast. We will be back next week to recap the Shield final and wrap up the entire summer in our season finale. But until then, for all your live scores, breaking news and video highlights, head to cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.